Take your Bibles, if you will, and go with me to Ephesians chapter 6. I want to I share something that's very personal to me this morning. A, uh, a battle and a struggle and a trial that Ms. Dean and I are going through in our lives personally. It, uh, it, we had a, a terrible uh, occurrence last week, and I thought after 45 years of preaching... I thought I had, I had seen it all, felt like I had felt it all, felt like we had endured everything could be endured. But it never ceases to amaze me that the world has new uh, kinks they can throw at us, new problems that they can throw at us. And we, we're going through something right now that's very, very close to our heart. And uh, I want to talk to you for just a few minutes. I've entitled this little message, Don't Ever Give Up. I'm glad uh, to report to you this morning, no matter what you're doing for God, make your mind up, I'm not going to give up. I'll never give up. No matter how bleak, no matter how hard, no matter how dark the night, how hot the battle, how low the valley, we've got to make our minds up. We're in this thing to stay. And we're not going to bow. We're not going to bend. We're not going to run. We're not going to forsake. We're not going to go AWOL. We'll be, we're going to be as long as God is by our side. And by the way, that's always. Then we're going to stay by him. And we're not going to give up. We're not going to quit. Not going to throw in the towel. In Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. The Bible said praying always. Now open thou our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of thy law. You know my complete utter dependence upon thee. Without you I can do nothing. I have no problem admitting that. Freely, freely, openly, publicly admitting my complete utter dependence upon thee. I pray that you'll go with us now and help us. Lord, I know not who this message is for. Lord, uh, maybe I just need to preach it again to hear it myself. Lord, I just ask that you'll help now these few short minutes I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Praying always. Praying always. With all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, beloved, tonight uh, or this morning, I, I don't know anyone that does not have someone in their family, some neighbor, some friend, some co-worker, or some uh, relative that is away from God or doesn't know God. Beloved, sometimes uh, we think that somebody's too far gone, that there's no help for them, there's no hope for them, there's nothing can reach them, they've, just, uh, they've gone too far in sin. Well, I want to let you know as long as there's breath in their body, there's hope for their heart. No one is too far gone that the blood of Jesus Christ cannot reach down and save. There was not a more lecherous man on this earth than Saul of Tarsus. He hated the church. He hated Jesus. And he did everything he could to destroy it by breaking up families, throwing people in jail. And was reading just the other day where he actually tortured people to get them to renounce their Christianity. Hey, Saul of Tarsus was a wicked, vile, wretched, low-down, hellish man. But on the road to Damascus, God got a hold of him. And he got a hold of God. And God saved him. And three days later, after those scales fell off of his eyes, he hit the ground of running, serving God. There's nobody too wretched. There's nobody too vile. There's nobody too wicked that the blood of Jesus Christ cannot save. I believe that with all my heart. Now, this morning, I want you to turn with me over to Genesis. 
In Genesis chapter number 18. Genesis chapter 18. We see here the story of Abraham and his nephew Lot. When uh, Abraham left Ur of the Chaldees, Lot went with him. Abraham didn't know where he was going, but he knew, he knew the one he was following. And you know, you don't have to know the way, and you don't have to know where you're going when you're following the one who knows the way. And so uh, Abraham uh, carried his uh, nephew, and God began to bless, and God began to multiply. And it came a time when Abraham had to come and say, Son, listen, we've got so many uh, sheep, we've got so many cattle, we just we can't graze the same pla- uh, pastures. We can't water them all in the same hole. We've got too many. You, you choose your way, and I'll go my way. We'll have to separate in order to be able to continue uh, with our, our sheep and cattle. And so Lot looked, and one way was a rocky. It was hilly. It was going to be hard to find pasture land. It was going to be hard to find water. It was going to be a difficult task if it went this way. But down this way was the well-watered plains of Sodom. Boy, they say there was a branch just about every three or four feet, water bubbling up, grass up to the sheep's belly. And Lot said, uh, I'm going to take this way. He took the easy road. Rather than preferring his uncle, rather than preferring the older man, rather than preferring the man that had blessed and God had used Abraham to bless him, rather than acknowledging that and taking the hard way and let Abraham take the easy way, he took the easy way out. And beloved, I just read the other night, hey, a man that's not willing to work a woman that's not willing to work is not worth their bread. Hey, the Bible said we'll earn our living by the sweat of our brow. And that's the way God intends for us to make a living. And so Lot said, I'll take the easy way. So Abraham said, fine, sons. He took that hard way. And Lot, that day, that day made a decision that would ultimately change his life and ruin his life forever. He went down, and the Bible said he pitched his tent towards Sodom. That means every morning when he got up and he walked out, he looked down and he saw the city of Sodom. Now, beloved, Sodom and Gomorrah, they were known for their uh, depravity. They were known as being some of the most filthy, some of the most disgusting cities on God's earth. And, uh, and so uh, Lot now has uh, pitched his tent towards Sodom. But beloved, once you start down that trail, once you start down that road, it's awful hard to put on brakes, awful hard to stop and go back where you were. Once you start down that road of compromise, once you start down that road of taking it easy, it's just easier and easier to keep going. And Lot, when he decided to take the easy way out and take that well-watered plain, he started down a path that was going to pick up speed and would lead to the destruction of his family. Every morning walking out, seeing the the cities of Sodom, all of a sudden, day after day, the sin of Sodom wasn't as bad as it was the day before. And he got used to it. And he got used to it. Beloved, that's what the world is doing to us today. They're bringing evil, wicked, abominable things and they're bombarding us on the television, on the radio, in the news and uh, they're, they're uh, trying to get us used to it so it doesn't seem as bad today as it was. But beloved, I just got to say this. If, if God said something is an abomination, then it's still an abomination today no matter who says what about it. 
I'm afraid there's going to come a day when you preach that in the pulpit and you could be arrested for hate speech or something else. But let me tell you something. If God said it, I, I, I believe it. And whether I believe it or not, that settles it. God's word stands. And so we find out now, Lot's left his uncle, took the easy way. He's pitched his tent towards Sodom. And the next picture we have, he's sitting in the gate of Sodom. Now they tell us that's where the town council met. That's where the mayor, that's where the mayor's court, that's where the city aldermen, that's where they met. They didn't have a courthouse, didn't have a, a building. They met in the gate of the city. And so Lot has not just moved to Sodom, but now he's on town council. Maybe he's the mayor of Sodom and Gomorrah, a righteous man, Abraham's nephew. And he's there living in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, God comes to Abraham in Genesis chapter 18, and he tells Abraham the, uh, the wickedness, the stench from the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah is so filthy in my nose, I'm going to destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham goes, and look at verse 25, it's Genesis 18. He, shall, he said, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Abraham said, Lord, if I find 50 righteous men in the city, will you spare the city for 50 righteous? And God said, I will spare the city for 50 righteous. And so Abraham gets to thinking, he said, well, Lord, how about 45? If I can't find 50, if I can just find 45, will you spare the city? And God said, I will not destroy it for 45. And he goes on and Abraham thinks, he said, Lord, how about 40? I'm just, just trying to do the math in my head. And he said, how about 40? If I could just find 40 righteous, would you spare the city? And God said, I'll spare the city for 40's sake. Then Abraham comes back and says, Lord, uh, don't be mad with me, but how about 30? If I can find 30 righteous. Now Sodom and Gomorrah, they were large cities. They, they were a great multitude of people. And Abraham's saying, Lord, will you spare those wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah if I can just find 30 righteous? And God said, I'll spare the cities for 30 righteous. Abraham thinks a little longer and he said, Lord, how about 20? I know I started at 50 and I know we're at 20, but I know you're a gracious God. Will you spare the cities for 20? And God said, I will spare the cities for 20 righteous. And Abraham gets ready to walk off. He gets to thinking about what he's heard about Sodom, what he's heard about Gomorrah, and he knows the reputation of those cities. But I'm thinking, Brother Lamar, in his mind, he's thinking, well, Lot is there, and his wife, and he had to have at least four daughters because of what the Bible, he could have had more, but at least four daughters. And he said, uh, I've heard the older two are married, so that's, uh, that's eight. It, surely all this time Lot has persuaded two people to come along with him. All that time he's been there and being the mayor and, and over the, surely there's been two that he's added to his family. And so Abraham comes back and says, Lord, how about 10? Will you spare the city? Don't get mad at me. I know I'm testing your patience, but would you spare the city for 10 righteous? And God said, I will not destroy it for 10's sake. 
Now let me say real quickly, I've heard people say, I don't know if God destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't know how he's letting America live. You know why? Because there's still a remnant in this country that believe God. There's still a remnant here that believe the Bible and pray to God and haven't turned themselves to wickedness and sin and abomination. Listen, there's still plenty in this country that love and mind God. And that, beloved, is why God's wrath has not fallen on America. And number two, we are still the friends of Israel. And if we ever turn our back on Israel, we've had it. Now we had a president some time ago, he come, come the closest to turning his back on Israel that we've ever seen uh, since Israel became a nation. But he didn't. And beloved, I believe those two things have kept God's hand of judgment off the United States. We're still friends of Israel, and we've got a remnant. So Abraham begins to pray. He's already been praying for a lot. There has to be 10 righteous in these two huge cities. But the sad, sad, sad part of it is that in these two huge cities, there were not 10 righteous souls in all that population. So God gets two angels. They send them down. I'll not take time to go through all of that. Some, some terrible things. Uh, these, these angels come and tell Lot, listen, God sent us. We, we got to get you and your family. We got to get you out of here. Fire's falling in the morning. We got to get you out. And uh, so they, they said, we've come to deliver. And they said, well, we'll, we'll sleep in the streets. And uh, Lot said, oh, no, no, that's, that's not going to work. You come on to my house. I'll feed you supper. You, you'll stay at my house tonight. And so while there, they... Uh, the men of the city come and surround Lot's house and demand that he send out those two men they saw go in. I want you to see real quickly in verse 7 of, of chapter 19. We see now that Lot, who was the nephew of Abraham, the great man of faith, he has sunk so low. He has been away from God so long. He's been away from his uncle Abraham and the God of Abraham. He has been around sin so long that his own mind is twisted. His own mind has been, a, has been a adapted and has been, has been polluted by the sin of the world. And when these men come in verse 7, Lot steps out and say, I, he said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. He called this bunch of, of men that surrounded the city, he called them brethren. He had accepted them as a brother. And he said, don't do this thing. I have two young daughters uh, in here that aren't married. I'll send them out to you. and You do with them as you will. What kind of a daddy would, would allow that to happen? Now you listen to me. When, I, uh, when my children were young and coming up, I, I walked guard around my children. I walked guard around my two daughters and my son. And I still do my wife. And if you think I would give my children over to anybody for such a, a, a ludicrous thing, it would never happen. But Lot in his mind, his mind is twisted. That's what sin does. And when you get around sin and you live around sin and you, you are commerce around sin, it has an effect. You say it don't. You say it doesn't bother you. But it begins to warp and twist your mind. And beloved, if you're not careful, you'll never get it back straight again. So, God tells them, you better leave. So, Lot 
verse 14, he goes to his sons-in-laws, which married his daughters. Had to be two. Could have been three, four, five. We know there's at least two. And he said, up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. And look at verse 14. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. He went to take care of his little girls, his oldest girls, and her and her husbands. And Lot said, we got to get out of here. God's going to destroy the city. And they laughed. And they said, uh, Lot, you're so funny. That's a good one. Have you heard any more lately? Beloved, all that Lot lost, one of the dearest things that he lost was his testimony to his own family. And beloved, there have been people, I've been pastoring 37 years, Baptist Church, and I've let people down and I've hurt people in those years. And they have, they have left. And they, some of them had said some awful ugly things. Sometimes some of the things they said were true. I just didn't want to hear them. But a lot of times it's worse than what they make out. And beloved, I, I just I have to give that to the Lord to shake it off and to go on. But you listen to me. At the end of my life, if my wife and my three children can come to my grave and say our daddy was a true, he was a real Christian, I'll die a successful man, Brother Mark. My wife's sitting here. She knows me better than anybody else on earth. If she can stand and say one thing I'll say about my husband, he loved God, and he was the same man at home as he was in the pulpit. Lot lost his testimony so that when he tried to get his daughters and their, their husbands to leave, he appeared as one that mocked. They took it as a joke. They, they couldn't take him serious. They never heard him talking about God before. They'd never heard him say anything like this before. It seemed as though he was joking and making a big laugh out of it. And so the Bible says, God said, I'll destroy the city. But now we know the next day God had to, the angels had to actually grab a hold of Lot and his wife, his two little girls, and he drug them out of the city and he told them on the way out, he said, now you're going to hear some awful things, but on your way out, don't you turn around don't you look, no matter what you hear, no matter what is happening, you look straight ahead and you keep going. And so Lot now is led out of the city by these two angels, his wife, his two girls. They're running, they're fleeing, and they hear something. I, I don't know, but Lot's wife looked back, and the Bible said instantly she was turned into a pillar of salt. So now Lot has lost everything he has. All of his sheep and his cattle, all of the money that he had is in Sodom and fire and brimstone is consuming it. He has two daughters that are burning up in Sodom and now his wife has turned to a pillar of salt and all he has left is those two little girls and he drags them and they keep running. They keep running. Lot found out that Sodom was a wonderful place to raise cattle but it was a sorry place to raise children. He got down to Zoar, and though he got his little girls out of Sodom, he didn't get Sodom out of his little girls. And they wound up having babies by their own daddy, getting him drunk. But I want to share with you just, just a little something, and my, my sermon will be a lot shorter than my introduction. But I want you to see now Genesis 19. Why, why did God spare Lot? He killed his daughters. He took his wife. 
Why did Lot get saved? Why in the world would God bother with Lot? He knew better than to move down there. He knew what he was doing. He saw what he was doing. He had turned his back on the Lord. He had compromised and he had let himself go to where he was on the city council or maybe even the mayor of Sodom. He had sunk as low as a man could sink in these wicked cities. Why would God spare a man like that? I'll tell you why. Bible says in Genesis 19 verse 27, Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. And he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward the land of the plain and beheld and lo, the smoke of the country went up as smoke as of a furnace. The 29 is the key. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham. God did not remember Lot. God remembered Abraham. And because of Abraham's prayer and Abraham's pleading and Abraham's faithfulness, God spared Lot because he remembered an uncle that wouldn't give up praying for his nephew though he knew he was out in sin. God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow. Beloved, this morning, I want to give you just several thoughts real quickly. I'm not going not to hold you much longer. But I want to talk to you. We have, Miss Dean and I, we have something right now we're going through. Unlike anything we've ever gone through in our life. I, I thought... I thought I knew the pain of any, any trial or burden that could come. We felt new pain. We felt new sorrow. and We cried new tears last week like we've never cried before. Now I want to talk to you for just a minute. Number one, I want you to put these down if you can. Number one, Abraham prayed for his nephew Lot. Are there are people in your life tonight or this morning. They're away from God. Maybe they're not even saved. But you're thinking of someone that you know is not in the will of God. They may have been raised in church. They may have been faithful to church. But something happened. Something went awry. And they got out in the world. And the longer they stay, the more wicked they get. And the more wicked they get. And the further away they get. I'm here to tell you this morning, uh, we have people in our lives. And you have people in your life, And the only thing that's going to save them. The only thing's going to keep them out of a, a hell or out of the flames of, of, the, of an angry God is your prayers. I'm glad this morning, hey, they may not listen to you. You may not can preach to them. You may not can quote scripture to them. You may not can testify to them. But there's one thing they cannot stop you from doing and that's talking to God. That's praying to God and carrying Him before the throne of God. Listen, Abraham prayed. For his nephew Lot. When was the last time you got on your knees? In tears. You called. That one's name in prayer. You said Lord. I may not even know where they are. I may not know. All that they're into. But Lord I pray for them. And you listen to me. You may not know where they are. You may have a dear loved one. You don't even know where they are and what they're doing. But I guarantee you, I got a God in heaven that knows where they are. 
I love that sweet Holy Spirit and the hounds of heaven. When they get on a trail of a man, you can run, but you can't hide. I mean, you can run, but you can't hide. When those hounds of heaven get on your trail, and beloved Miss Dean and I, we have sicked those hounds of heaven, and we're bombarding the throne. And beloved, this morning, hey, when was the last time you called the name in prayer? I made my mind up. If these individuals were talking about, if they, go, if they die and go to hell, the devil's going to have the fight of his life to get them there. Because he's going to have to drag them through my prayers. I'm not going to let a day go, not a 24-hour period pass, that I don't call their name in prayer. And Lot didn't see it. Lot didn't feel it. Lot didn't sense it. And Lot was not worth it. He had turned his back on God. He had made his, his uncle take the hard road. It would have been easy for Abraham to say, he's done what he deserves. But Abraham loved him and Abraham prayed and Abraham prayed and Abraham prayed and God remembered Abraham and spared Lot. Abraham prayed for his nephew. Number two, get this. He didn't wait till the trouble came. He had already been praying. So many times we wait until somebody's at death's door. Oh God, don't let him die and go to hell. Oh God, don't let him die and go to hell as their breathing had become shallow and as their heart begins to weaken. Oh God, don't let them die and go to hell. Why weren't you praying that six months ago while they were happy? Why weren't you praying that a year ago while there's still uh, uh, some health in their body? Abraham didn't wait till the fire was falling. Abraham had already been praying for that nephew. He had been praying for that wayward nephew. Said, God, bring my nephew back. God, bring my nephew back. And God did bring his nephew out of the city and spared him from that horrible thing because Abraham didn't wait till the trouble started. He was praying already. Then number three. So number one, Abraham prayed for his nephew Lot. I said, number two, he didn't wait till the trouble came. He was already praying. Number three, put this down. No one is ever too far gone. No one is ever too far gone. I don't care how low down and wicked and wretched a, a, a man, woman may be. They're not too bad. They're not too mean. They're not too ugly. They're not too much of a sinner that the blood of Jesus cannot save them. I'm glad this morning there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners, be it little Sunday school kids or be it some harlot or some doper or some drunkard or some murderer or some thief, sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. As I said before, as long as there's a breath in their body, there's a hope for their heart. Beloved, I've seen individuals through the 37 years of pastoring, I've seen some people that were mighty hard. And, and some, I must confess, I never thought I'd see them saved. But I'm glad God saw them. And I'm glad somebody touched heaven for them. I'm glad my... My wife's here, and she prayed for years for her sweet mother and prayed and prayed, and uh, I prayed with her most of the time when I wasn't mad at her and uh, the mother-in-law, not my wife, and uh, 
But Miss Dean kept saying, I believe she'll get saved. I believe she'll get saved. And Preacher Barton, I got to tell you, sometimes I just didn't believe it. I thought she was too far gone. And she got sick, and she got dementia. And her mind left her. And I thought, well, that's it. It's over. No hope. And one day, out of the clear blue, Miss Dean and I were down in Pigeon Forge. A pastor friend and his wife from Danville had a cabin. They called and asked us we'd come down for dinner. So we went out, had a wonderful uh, breakfast and had the dishes washed. Was was just getting powdered up so we could go to town and, and spend money and eat and then go eat and then spend some more money and then go eat again. That's all you do in Pigeon Forge. Wonderful place to be. And so uh, we're sitting there and her phone rings and it's her mother. And I said, don't you answer that phone. I said, I'm not going to have her ruining our vacation, saying something mean and ugly to you, and I'm going to get mad and want to wring her jaws, and it's just going to ruin the, don't you answer that phone. And she did what all good wives did. She answered the phone because she wanted to. And she walked up the steps, and the phone went in the little bedroom we had. And I was sitting on the couch here with Brother Yancey, and I said, Doc, listen, give it about 30, 40 minutes. She'll come down those steps, and she'll be crying her eyes out. He said, how do you know? I said, that's the way it always happens. Her mother's mean to her. And so sure enough, about 40, 45 minutes later, Miss Dean's coming down the steps and she's weeping uncontrollably. I get up and I meet her at the bottom of the steps and she falls in my arms and she puts her head on my shoulder and she weeps and she weeps like I've never seen her weep before. Boy, the longer I stood there, the madder I got. I said, I wonder what that, wonder what that mother-in-law said. I told her it was going to be ugly. And finally, when she got some composure, she looked up at me, tears dripping off of her face. And she said, darling, mother just prayed to get saved over the over the phone. I said, uh, what mother? And she said, uh, my mother. I said, your, your mother just, just, just prayed. She said, yes, she did it three times. Them Catholics, they got to make sure. And so she said she prayed three times. She said, but she prayed to get saved. Listen, 37 years that sweet lady prayed for her mother. And even after dementia, don't, don't know what happened, but on that day she was clear. That day, Brother McBride, she was thinking straight and could reason and could talk. After weeks and, and months of, of uh, dementia uh, clouding her mind, she had one good day. And that day she called uh, Miss Dean. Miss Dean led her to the Lord and she got saved. And the next day, right back into it. I'm telling you, don't ever, don't ever, don't ever give up. As long as they're breathing, there's a hope. God can save their wretched soul. No one is ever too far gone. Number four, he didn't get discouraged and quit when he saw no answer. Have you ever prayed for somebody and, you, and they got worse? You prayed for somebody to get saved and it seemed like it, 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 uh, it knocked them further away? Abraham didn't get discouraged. He had him a place. And the Bible said every morning he went to that place. And when Lot first separated, he went to that place and said, Lord, I'm worried about my nephew. He took the easy road, help him to stop there. 
And when he pitched his tent towards Sodom, oh, Abraham praying, oh, God, I'm praying for him. I know he's pitched his tent, but keep him out of that wicked city. Then when he moved down, Abraham kept praying, even though it seemed as though Lot was gone and everything was hopeless. He just kept praying and kept praying, though he saw no light at the end of the tunnel. He didn't get discouraged. He just kept praying to God. The Bible said, number five, God remembered Abraham. Not Lot, but he saved Lot and his family because of an old gray-haired uncle that was in his place of prayer way before he ever moved to Sodom. And God remembered Abraham. This morning, I wonder, I wonder this morning, what face is in your mind right now? What person or maybe a couple of people that you love and they're away from God? Maybe they're lost and they don't know the Lord. We have someone like that that's dear to us. God knows I'd do anything on this earth to see them saved. But I can't talk to them. I can't preach to them. They'll never listen to me on the radio. But there's one thing they cannot stop me from doing. And that's calling their name in prayer. And I've committed myself to not letting a day pass that I don't remind God I still need you to save them. I still need you to save them. And though it may seem that they're getting worse, we just got to keep praying. And though it seems like there's no hope for them, we've got to keep praying. And know as God remembered Abraham and spared Lot, God can remember us and save, spare our children or our, our family, our coworkers, our neighbors. I don't know whose face may be burning in your mind this morning, but I know this, I know this. Without your prayers, they're sure to go to hell. Without somebody touching heaven, they're, they're already, already there. Oh, this morning, let's make our mind up. As God remembered Abraham, let God remember us.